So, Lord Jesus, after a week of violence and racial tensions, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would guide us by your word, help us find hope and healing, help us find your path for us as individuals and all the good and the bad of our lives, as well as for our country who is really struggling right now. Jesus, we look to you. We ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Well, hello. Thank you all for being here. Um, God, there's a lot of you here for a summer. You guys are, you guys are awesome. Uh, I really do believe the scripture that Daniel just uh, read and that Jane just gave the children's sermon on, I really do believe this scripture about being holy gives us hope in the face of the violence and the racial tension that we've seen this week in our, in our country. Uh, I really do believe this concept of holy gives us hope. God is holy, and when he makes us holy, he is our hope. And when he makes us holy, then we become agents of change that can heal our culture. So I do believe this scripture gives us hope in the face of this week's news. But we have to first understand what that word holy really means and what it means to be made holy holy, because there's some some kind of funky connotations to that word, not all of them good, right? And and so we need to understand what holy means. It's not what we think. So to help us to start this sermon, and I am going to talk about where our culture is. I'm going to talk about the events of this week uh, a little bit later in the sermon. Um, But but just just to start this sermon, I'm going to start in kind of a random place to kind of help us understand what this word holy really means. It's a little bit random, but just go with me. And that is I want to talk about the first date I ever had which was to an eighth grade dance with a girl named Jill Lewis. And I wanted to impress Jill, so I wore my best brown leisure suit with a flowered shirt, right, and (laughs) thought about using my father's Old Spice cologne, but opted instead for the refreshing manly scent of Right Guard deodorant, right? And my father had to drive us because I was too young. And, And I wanted to impress her, so I took her to Taco Time, which in eastern Washington counts as fine dining, so don't judge, all right? But you know what? Words really don't capture the wonder of this event, so I brought a picture. (laughs) So I want points for bravery for showing this picture in in public. When I showed this picture to my sermon review team on Thursday, one of the guys in the group said, what's all that on the top of your head? (laughs) It's just cold, right? But yes, I did used to have hair. I wanted to be good enough for Jill, except it didn't work because just a few weeks later, she started to date some guy named Mike. He might have had muscles. I don't know. Whatever, right? Like, how could she have chosen Mike when she had all of this in front of her? I wasn't good enough for her, apparently. We get a lot of messages that we're not enough of something, right? We're not good-looking enough. Not smart enough, not cool enough, not popular enough, not rich enough, not successful enough, not thin enough, not old enough, not young enough. You know, it's not just religious people that can be judgmental. Our culture is very judgmental. Just look at our commercials, right? Like, apparently, we don't smell good enough right? or drive good enough cars. In one of the jobs I had in college, I had a coworker whose last name was good enough. And I know. So the boss, he, he would always call him Izzy. So he could say, Is he good enough? (laughs) Totally lame, right? But in a way, we all live under that name. Is he? Is she good enough? And that's why the verse that we just read can be kind of a bummer, right? Be holy in all you do. Well, all right, I'll get right on that. As though it's that easy, right? How do you feel when you hear that verse? Some of you may not feel anything. It's like, well, that's a religious-y word you hear in church, whatever. Going golfing later. Or maybe you feel shame, thinking, oh man, stuff I've done, no way am I holy. 
Maybe it sounds like one more impossible expectation that you can't possibly meet. Right? Or maybe it reminds you of self-righteous, holier-than-thou people. But what does it mean? What does that word really mean? And how does it give us hope as individuals but also as a culture in the face of this week's racial tension and violence? Well, it helps to understand that the Apostle Peter is writing the whole book of 1 Peter to Christians who are being persecuted, thrown to lions, thrown in jail, all kinds of stuff. And Peter's main point for the whole book is how to live with hope and strength and be agents of change in a messed up world. Be agents of change in a messed up world. Do we need that right now? And God's church is called to be that change agent. And holiness can help us in all of this because holiness gives us four promises. The first promise is you are enough. Second promise, you can do and become more than you've ever even imagined, including a healer of our culture. Third, God makes what is broken whole, holy, holy. And fourth, ordinary moments can be extraordinary. So what does this word really mean? Because it's got some weird connotations in that same job I had in, in college, I was, I was not a Christian at the time. I was an atheist, but I was surrounded by Christians, which led me to believe that if there was a God, he hated me to inflict me with all the Christians. Right? And there was this one woman in my office where if on a Monday morning I had remarked that I'd gone to a party that weekend, she would always go, a worldly party or a godly party? <laughs> None of your business, icky Christian person. Right? Okay, that was holier than thou, but it's not holy. The verse that we just read quotes the book of Leviticus, and a lot of Leviticus doesn't talk about holy people. It talks about holy things, tables and utensils and things used in the temple for worship, pots, stuff like that. Okay, well, pots can't be holy, right? Can't be moral. They can't be moral, so obviously holy means more than just being moral, more than just how we behave. The biblical word for holy means set apart, utterly different, unique. This is why God is holy, because there's none like him. In other words, holy, if you, and if you wanted to make a, t- a table holy, or a pot holy, or a utensil holy, what you would do is you would take it to the priest, and he would set it aside to be used only in the worship of God in the temple. And then it was holy. It was holy because it belonged to God. That's what makes something holy. What makes you holy isn't your actions. It's because you belong to God, which is the first promise. You are enough. Right before this passage, Peter talks about God's grace and his love for us. After the passage, Peter goes on and says, You are God's special possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have. So all this talk about being holy is preceded and followed by statements that we are accepted by God, his his special possession. See, we aren't accepted because we're holy. We're holy because we're accepted. So being holy isn't about trying harder to get God to like us, you know, be better people, right? We're like the tables, the utensils in the, in the temple. We are holy because we belong to God. When we are doing everything right, we belong to God. When we are doing everything wrong, we belong to God. When we are singing his praises, we belong to God. And when we are whining and complaining, we belong to God. And yes, we sin. And yes, there needs to be accountability. And yes, we need to change. And I'm getting to that. But our worth, our value is in the fact that we belong to God. And here's why this matters in the face of this week's news. Because when we don't think we're enough, one of the ways we deal with that is by making someone else inferior so that we can feel superior. And that is, out of that comes hatred and division and racism 
and violence. But when we know that we are enough, we know everyone else is enough too because they're loved by God. This is a lesson Peter had to learn the hard way. Because back in the book of Acts, God sent some people to Peter who were a different race than he was. And he didn't think that they were holy enough for him to hang out with. But then God says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. You are enough. All those other people are enough. Not by virtue of what we've done or what we haven't done, but because God in the person of Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins. That's how valuable you are. You are worth dying for. Other people are worth dying for. And that's our worth. That's our value. This week I asked my kids what they thought the word holy meant. And after some sarcastic remarks about things that had holes in them, right? They, my daughter said, anything that God gives a thumbs up to. Anything that God gives a thumbs up to. What a great definition of holy. God has given us the thumbs up in spite of the messages we receive. In my former church, one time after one of the pastors preached, a woman came up to him and said, Pastor, that was the worst sermon I've heard in 17 years. And he said it was the 17 years that got to him, right? Because if she just said the worst sermon ever, that, you know, dismissed that as exaggeration. But the fact that she said 17 years meant she had one horrible sermon in mind in particular, and his was worse than that. And now he was the new standard, right? We get messages like that all the time. Not enough of this, not enough of that. God disagrees. The sovereign, reigning, almighty God of the universe says, you are enough. Who are you to disagree with him? And the sovereign, reigning, almighty God says that all those other people, they are enough. Who are we to disagree with him? So live loved. Because the more we live loved, the more we love other people, including people who are different than we are. Which brings me to my second point. Holy means we become and start doing things we'd never imagined. We become like Jesus. Peter says this, but just as he who called you, see, this is a relationship we're talking about here, not transactional, relationship. He is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. In other words, it's not holy. Good luck with that. You're on your own. Jesus says, get closer to me. And just like kids take on the attributes of their parents, whether they want to or not, the closer we get to Jesus, the more we'll take on his character and become like him. So here's some homework for you. Pray this prayer. Jesus, increase my love for you. Because, see, we don't make ourselves holy. The Holy Spirit makes us holy. And the more I love Jesus, the more I become like him and the more I'm going to do for him. So, for instance... Because I love my wife and kids, I do things all the time that I might not otherwise do, like save money for, for their college education, right? And oh my goodness, what a lot of money you have to save these days, right? I do that because love compels me. Love makes me want to do that, right? Holy isn't about doing better sin management. It's about a loving relationship with Jesus where I become like him, and then I begin to love the people he loves, so again, for instance, I begin to love the things that my wife and kids love. So for instance, my wife loves the, the rap hip-hop musical Hamilton about Alexander Hamilton. She just loves it. She loves it so much that I started to listen to the rap hip-hop musical Hamilton. And now I'm singing all the songs, you know, I am not throwing away my shot. You know, middle-aged pastor rapping, not a good scene, right? I, she loved it so much, I began to love what she loves. When we love Jesus, we'll love the people he loves, even if they are different age different race, different politics. Our passage today says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, the empty way of life handed down to you. Now, obedience is not a word we tend to like. 
But all it really means is it's knowing that God is a good father and he loves us and he wants the best for us. So his commands are not meant to wreck our lives or make us miserable. They're meant to lead us to the abundant life rather than an empty way of life. God's commands can just be renamed steps to the abundant life. God wants us to know the freedom from self, and he wants us to be free of the destructive behaviors that hurt us and that are right now currently wrecking our culture and our country. Peter says, live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. So remember, the word holy means different, set apart, distinct, which means we'll be set apart, we'll be different than the rest of our culture as followers of Christ. In a culture of fear, Jesus will make us brave. In a culture that lacks civility, we will live out a culture of honor. We become people who, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, learn to seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. That's what the people of God do in a moment like this. We bring justice and healing and reconciliation. This week, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile and five policemen lost their lives. And there is racial tension everywhere. But here's what I know, guys. I know a couple things. I know that Jesus is still in control. He is on the throne, and he is our hope. The second thing I know is that the first racially reconciled community in all of, her history, in all of human history was the early church, where Jews and Gentiles who had hated each other for centuries started loving each other in the name of Jesus. Jesus invented racial reconciliation. It originated with him. This is our specialty. The church has been doing this for 2,000 years. Church, this is our moment. And here are some steps. I'm just going to give you some steps that I'm doing right now to be part of God's healing of our racial divisions in our country. And maybe you can do some of these steps. Because I know Jesus wants the best for me and our world, I'm going to obey him when he says to me in the Bible, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Two ears, one mouth. There's a ratio there that should give us a hint of how much we listen and how much we talk. So that means that I'm going to listen to the pain and grieve with and support the vast majority of law enforcement personnel who do their job justly and fairly and bravely to protect us, while simultaneously listening to the pain and grieving with many of my African-American friends and their experience that at least in some cases racial stereotypes, racial images, racial fears contribute to someone's perception of threat and that affects how black people are treated. And I am going to do both of those things simultaneously because they are not mutually contradictory. Slow to anger means I'm going to listen to the data from all sides. I'm going to listen to the data from all sides, not just my favorite news source that backs up my preconceived political ideas. And I will seek healing. That's why this church has a reconciliation and justice team. You might want to get involved. It's why we support Jubilee Reach because Jubilee Reach does so much stuff that helps racial reconciliation happen. It's why I am in relationship with African-American, Latino, and Asian pastors. It's why we have a police support and prayer network here in this church. You might want to get involved in all of that. And I know right now this is a really politicized issue, and maybe I've, I've frustrated some of you in, in, in what I've said. You know, for some of you, I'm not conservative enough. For others of you, I'm not liberal enough, speaking about not being enough. Right? <laughs> so I'll just remember that in Jesus, I'm enough, as the email comes in. And send them. It's a conversation. Send them. But as your pastor, here's what I'm asking. Here's what I'm asking. Can all of us, including me, pray the following prayer? Jesus, help me understand this issue through your heart and the lens of Scripture, not the lens of my favorite news source. 
and help me bring holy healing. Jesus, help me understand this issue through your heart and the lens of Scripture, not my favorite news source, and help me bring healing. Can we pray that prayer together? I just read a story from a campus chaplain at a university in Virginia, and one night he got a call from an African-American student that was in his ministry named Willie, and Willie was really upset because on his way home from their worship service, on his way home from worship, Willie stopped at a supermarket to buy a bag of potato chips, and as he stood in line to pay, he opened the bag and started eating the chips. The store manager called the cops and had him arrested because apparently there's a law against this. And in his call, Willie even said, Pastor, I even had the money in my hand to pay. I don't get it. And by the way, something similar just happened to an African-American friend of my parents over in the Tri-Cities. It still happens. So the chaplain bailed Willie out, but now he was worried because now Willie might have a record that could affect the rest of his life. Well, a few days later, the chaplain was preaching at a nearby church um, and shared Willie's story. And in that church, there were several white stay-at-home moms who, when they heard who had been in that same store, who had, in fact, when they had been in that same store, had often opened a bag of crackers or opened a bag of chips to give to an impatient child to quiet him down. Ever done that? Ever been there? I have. Right? Please, for the love of God, shh. Right? Eat something. Here's an Oreo, right? Here, I'll just take it off the shelf, right? So these white suburban moms got together and talked then to the regional manager. And they said, look, we have done the exact same thing over and over and over. Your store manager never arrested us. It seems like he perceived that action differently because Willie is black. And the regional manager said, you are right. And held the store manager accountable, dropped all the charges against Willie, even sent a fruit basket to the pastor for all of his help. Right? Now, it's not always that easy. I, I get it, right? But because those suburban moms loved Jesus, they became more like Jesus. They became holy. And they did something they never would have imagined they'd ever do. Suburban activists. It's a contradiction in terms. (laughs) For someone they didn't even know. And Willie imitated the holiness of Jesus by forgiving that store manager for his injustice. Which brings me to the third point. Holy means you are enough means you'll do things you never imagined, like heal a culture. And third, holy makes the broken holy holy, just as he did in the story of Willie. God takes the sinful, and he makes it, he redeems it. God takes the ugly, and he makes it beautiful. See this picture? That is the holiest site in Christianity, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, built over the site where Jesus was crucified and buried. And you can see there it's surrounded by a lot of ornate, holy-looking objects and all that stuff. But here's the deal. Jesus wasn't crucified between two candlesticks. He was crucified between two thieves. And originally, this site was outside the city walls, and it was a place where the Romans dumped their garbage. Now it's the holiest site in Christianity. See, when Jesus shows up, even a garbage dump becomes a holy sepulchre. The ugly becomes beautiful. The broken becomes whole, just as it did in the story of Willie and those suburban moms. And if you are trying to picture, how do I get, how do I help racial reconciliation? I'm not sure I can be like those suburban moms. If that's kind of what's going on in your head, man, maybe just start smaller, start more local. Start with your everyday, ordinary life, which is my last point. Holy means even the ordinary can become extraordinary. In the Bible, God makes the dirt that Moses stands on holy, not because of Moses, but because God shows up and does it. God transforms the mundane. God can make the ordinary extraordinary. God can even take boring stuff. God can even take boring stuff and make it exciting. 
Sort of like a, a story I heard about a pastor who got up one Sunday and said, look, I'm tired of your minds wandering while I preach. So I showed this sermon to my wife and asked her to cut out all the boring parts. So in conclusion, <laughs> are there boring parts of your day? There are boring parts of my day. Your ordinary day, your boring math class, whatever it is, it can be holy if we respond to the nudges God gives us. And we can practice reconciliation starting today just by following those nudges with the people we meet, regardless of their race. My sister recently posted something on Facebook, and this is what she wrote. She wrote, this morning I was shopping for new clothes, and I was sullen and depressed at the current state of my body and how the clothes looked on me. But I found a few things I wanted, and I was in line to buy them. Well, while waiting, a sweet elderly woman struck up a conversation with me. And her husband had just died, and she was shopping for the funeral dress. They'd been married 64 years, had three children, grand and great-grandchildren. As she talked, she radiated joy in spite of her pain. Well, God must have nudged her because right then she asked me if I knew who Billy Graham was. I said yes. She then handed me one of his pamphlets about how God loves me no matter what, no matter what I look like, no matter what I've done, God loves me. Message received, Lord. I can work on being healthier, but in doing that, I should never lose focus on what really matters. Thank you, sweet stranger, for helping me adjust my attitude today. Boom. Ordinary moment. Ordinary store. Holy. Because that woman responded to God's nudge to reach out of her own pain and comfort my sister and remind her that in Jesus, she is enough. And that is something any of us can do any old day of the week. So look for those nudges. I just read about a prison fellowship in Washington, D.C. that shows prisoners the love of Jesus. And then when they're released, it finds them jobs and people from various churches then house them. The prisoners come and live with the people from the different churches to kind of start a new, a new life. And this is bringing all kinds of racial healing because people, these ex-prisoners and the people who are housing them, they're all kinds of different races. So they're getting to know each other. Lots of reconciliation. Well, these prisoners also do community service. So every morning, a few of them, former inmates, they go and they study the Bible together at a, at a coffee shop. And then in the afternoon, they rebuild homes in one of the most run-down neighborhoods in Washington, D.C. They rebuild homes for the poor families that are on that block. And they get to know the kids. They tell them their story. They warn them away from gangs and drugs. And because they have been to prison themselves, they have street cred, so the, the students, the, the kids, listen. Now, from this neighborhood, you can see the Capitol Dome where politicians are always debating how to help poor people. But just a few blocks away are poor people who weren't being cared for as individuals at all until a group of former prisoners restored their homes, helped their kids, built a community. See, it happens person to person, one day at a time. That's holy. They are being made new, neighborhood being made new, and even their crimes and their sins are being sanctified for a holy purpose to warn others away from that life. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you get to know Jesus more and love him more and become more like him. And then listen to those nudges to practice reconciliation, to practice healing just every day. And then also ask him, Lord, how can I be part of healing the wounds in our culture, the bigger thing? And then ask Jesus to help us see this issue his way, not the way of our culture or the media. I'm going to close with this. One of my favorite things in this church is that banner right there. And, 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 and Annie talked about this last week. It, it, and there's a story to that banner. It was made by some women in our church, one of them, Jean Baudry, who passed away at 98 a week ago. It's made from scraps that had been discarded from other projects. In other words, scraps that were destined for the garbage can. 
Some of these scraps were so ragged, it was hard to imagine how they could make anything beautiful. Well, these women piece them together to form the face of Jesus. That is a great metaphor for what holy is. Because, see, Jesus himself was discarded, crucified outside the city gates on a garbage heap. But he used that to purchase our forgiveness and conquer death, taking an ugly cross and making it something beautiful. Just as he takes all the bits and pieces of our lives and of our world, including those discarded, dark, painful, ugly things, and he rearranges them until we see his face. Is there dark stuff in your life? Jesus can make it holy and use it for good. Do you have a lot of ordinary, boring parts? Jesus can make them extraordinary. Is there hurt and pain in our country right now? Oh boy, howdy, is there. But here's what I know. Jesus is still on the throne. He is still in control. This moment does not scare or baffle him. He is not confused in this moment. He is still at work. He is still in control, and he will not stop. He will not rest. He will keep rearranging the parts of our lives and of this world until we see his face, until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like an ever-living stream. And until we and this world are fully, holy, completely holy like him. So Jesus, thank you that that's what you do. Thank you that you heal. Jesus, help us to hear the issues of our day with your heart and through the lens of Scripture. And show us how we can be part of healing just daily, but also in the bigger things that our country faces, Lord. Make us instruments of your peace. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.